the first few weeks of Governor Yunkin's leadership have been anything but dull, we've had battles over everything from parental rights to mask wars to critical race theory crackdowns. Plus, some key legislation on religious freedom is quickly moving through the General Assembly. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. So, Victoria, I hear you have a new teenage driver in the household. You say it with such excitement. It's <laughs> It will be exciting at the end, but it is not exciting at the beginning. Yes, we do. My daughter has just gotten her learner's permit, and um, yeah, it's an interesting experience. <laughs> Well, I saw the really cute Facebook photo where your daughter looks really psyched and you're not so psyched in the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 right. I actually kind of told my husband, like, this is your deal. I don't really want to do it. But the reality of our schedules is, honestly, during the General Assembly, he's also involved in things. And so the only daylight hours seem to keep falling on me. And so either she's not going to drive for two months and even try, or I've had to actually step up and be willing to have her drive. So it's been harrowing. So are you remaining the cool collected mom? Or are you doing a little gasp and holding on to the side of the... <laughs> <laughs> so you do feel like there should be that imaginary pedal. Like I think you just, you literally naturally just as in the passenger seat, you hit the brake that's not there because you want them to brake a little earlier than they're braking. And it's a little awkward, but no, actually she's surprisingly good. I have to be honest. I tease her a lot, but actually I've been pretty darn impressed with her driving ability. Um, it, it We really haven't even had close calls. She does a few things like, you know, you turn a corner and there's two lanes and she turns into the wrong lane, right? So you, you sort of like drift into, and I go, oh, if there was a car there, that might have been a really bad situation. But other than that, she's pretty solid at driving, actually. Well, I'll tell you one little funny story about me learning to drive. Um, when my dad was teaching me to drive, I had one little incident where I almost took out the neighbor's mailbox. <laughs> And then my brother was in the car, so for the rest of the time, he would get in the car with his bike helmet on just to give me a hard time as the little brother. And so, you know, I'm driving around, he's back there with his helmet on. Oh, man. My uh, siblings really wanted to ride with her, and I, I, I literally kept saying, why would I put precious cargo in the car? But they all, I've let them now, and it's gone okay. But actually, the funniest part was the first time she drove really on the roads was with Matt, and I get this text afterwards. I'm somewhere else, and I get a text that says, he let me drive on the big road, 64 and 288. Now, if you're not from Richmond, those are the biggest highways we have, like, other than I-95 kind of runs through. I'm telling you, I was horrified. And I actually thought they were pranking me, because my husband's a huge prankster. I thought they were in on it together. I spent a day trying to figure out if this was real. Unfortunately, it turned out it was real. He actually did let her go straight out on the highway after about an hour of doing back roads. And I was horrified. But honestly, she's she's actually pretty good. That's so exactly I, what dads are for. Yes. All right. Well, to get things started here, on day one, Governor Yunkin started things off with a bang, issuing 11 executive actions, including things like ending the vaccine mandates for state employees and efforts to combat human trafficking. But by far, the first two executive orders are getting the most attention. Yeah, the first one was an order to take the first step to, quote, end the use of inherently divisive concepts, including critical race theory in, in schools. And I, I actually, just one thing I'll note, it was most governors have always done this big non-discrimination thing as the first executive order. So even the fact that it was number one replacing um, what I think has been poorly used non-discrimination laws in the past was really exciting. But, you know, then he goes on in that executive order and actually 
actually gives a special charge to the new superintendent to make sure this gets carried out. For example, the order asks the superintendent to provide a report to Yunkin and to the Secretary of Education within 30 days. So it's like we're going to hit the ground running. Um, and that report is basically supposed to look at the trainings and the curriculum and other things that fall into or could fall into this definition of inherently divisive concepts. And then they also mentioned that there might be legislative concepts. And we actually yeah. are seeing that. Yeah, and I also thought it was interesting that this order specifically called for the superintendent to investigate some controversial programs like the cultural competency training. Do you think this is going to help? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we this whole debate about what's actually being taught in schools, really a lot of it is because they require this cultural competency training, and it's unclear how that's being carried out in every locality. So every teacher is supposed to go through this, and it's unclear what – what that training looks like in every place. And so I think they do need to get to the bottom of that. Okay, so this does empower people to start investigating. And along those lines, I would encourage people, just go ahead and start emailing the superintendent, the new assistant superintendent, Elizabeth Schultz, that's a longtime friend of Family Foundation. They need to know what you're seeing in their schools. And actually, they've made it easy. They put out an email where people can send this documentation. It's help education at governor.virginia.gov. I'll read that one more time. Help education at governor.virginia.gov. Now, Victoria, there's been a little furor <laughs> over this helpline, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not like we don't have a helpline for everything under the sun in government, but this one is apparently over the line if you're a, a liberal. So they've basically ridiculed the governor and said this is so inappropriate. This is, um, you know, they're calling it like a snitch line using these terrible words. And honestly, we've seen, you know, we've seen these things where they're much worse than this. This is just simply parents saying this is what's going on to help this report. This is just trying to give data into a report. Yeah, I think it's really ironic how we have all these people insisting there is no critical race during classrooms. And then they're going to all this effort to shut down the tip line that would document it. So what are you so worried about? It's either one or the other. It either isn't <laughs> happening, they're so sure of it, they don't have anything to worry about, or they're actually worried that people will provide evidences of it. And I think that's much more the reality. We've actually had deep, deep debates in committee in the General Assembly already over, is this happening in a classroom? And you literally have some liberal Democrat legislators who are being very explicitly like, angry about it. This doesn't exist. And then you'll have a, a Republican or a conservative of some type will actually read like this is what's in the Loudoun County or this is what Terry McAuliffe had when he was governor as a directive. And it's as if we're talking across each other. Yeah. I mean, I think they had state level promotion and programs on this. That's it's pretty black and white. But. I mean, I just point to the Loudoun County bill. There's literally an invoice where they paid and it says critical race theory training right on the invoice. Like, I just keep going. How do you work around that? There's yeah. there's certain inconvenient facts. Well, I am proud to say that we actually got a head start on this at the Family Foundation because we kind of had our own tip line going several weeks, maybe even months before this. And it was our school incident reform at familyfoundation.org slash protect every kid. Or you can look for the protect every kid banner on our website. But we've got this school incident form online at familyfoundation.org where you can go on there and document exactly what's happening in your child's classroom. And we already have lots of parents using this and filling it out. So 
that's another place if you also want to give us that information we would be glad to pass it on to the government to um, the superintendent that's investigating this yeah and i love that parents have really been on top of this too their entire facebook groups like i just there's one called army of parents and they literally detail what's going on in classrooms and people you just all the government has to you know the governor can just send his folks to go look at this facebook because they they take pictures and they they give examples so it's happening <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, of course, we also have to talk about the other order, Executive Order 2, that also spurred an uproar across the state and is making headlines everywhere. But when you think about it, it really shouldn't be all that controversial. I mean, all it did was say that schools could come up with their own policies on masks, but ultimately, parents have the final choice on what their child is doing, as it should be. This is parental choice. So, Victoria, why are we in such a fury about this? Yeah, I mean, I I think it sounds pretty common sense. It's, it's a pretty middle-of-the-road approach. You're just simply saying... Parents, if you want to mask your kid, go on and do that. But parents who are saying this isn't working educationally for my child, they have a right to say, no, I'm not going to do that. But boy, has it been. And and most interestingly, the school districts, their reactions have been interesting, right? So we have seven of some of the largest school districts in the Commonwealth are actually suing. They're actually going against this in court, trying to say that he doesn't have the authority, which I find the authority issue very interesting because all of them swore that the government Governor had the authority when it was Governor Northam, and he did this mass mandate that everybody had to wear masks. But when the same position, just with a new individual with a different perspective, issues that then all of a sudden we say he doesn't have the authority, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I guess we should expect this kind of pushback because, you know, with anything that's going to threaten the control of the public school bureaucracy or the teachers unions, I guess we shouldn't be surprised we're going to get huge pushback. Um, but I know you've said that on one hand, we wish we would see people get as fired up on these other issues like explicit sex education and promotion of transgenderism to kindergartners because these things also, or even more so, they're hitting at the core of the child's development and heart. Um, But on the other hand, my thought is, I've been thinking about this, I do think there's something to this whole mask war thing because I think it is hitting at something under the surface where we're at as a society. I do think it's kind of exposing this tension between those who want to look to the government as the ultimate authority for their security and safety. That's where they're looking to for that. And those who are maybe valuing family authority um, and even personal responsibility to make informed consent. It just seems like it's kind of exposing that tension that's been there for a while. I think ultimately this pandemic has just brought out in people, whether they fall in one or two categories, and you sort of just described them, I think of them as control. Where is the control? There are people who really want to control everything around them, including other people's actions. There really are. As long, you know, and and unfortunately, when you say it's a parent's decision, this mask mandate, for example, it's a you can't you then can't control your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And that is really, and there's a lot of people where the reason it strikes at the heart of, you know, why they care so much is they really it scares them to think about people trying to control their actions, whether it's a mask or something else down the road. And, and, and you know, it moves over to vaccines. And then you think that's a little bit bigger than masks, right? You're putting something into a body, not just on a body. So these things are a big deal. And they are sort of philosophical at their core. Yeah. And, and I get it when people say sometimes we see a lack of compassion toward others' vulnerability. I get that. I agree with that. But 
I also hear people saying things like, well, this isn't about individual liberty. It's about the collective good. And that always scares me when I hear the collective good, because we've seen that before and it was it didn't end well. Well, and we're selective about what collective good we care about, right? So, I mean, I think about, I mean, this is a silly example, but I, I cannot believe how many people use such absolutely offensive words in front of my children out in public. Yeah. The collective good is to just be compassionate that there are little children that people want to keep their innocence and you know but there's a million reasons why we could control everybody's actions but I think the bottom line is that you can't use the collective good for some things and say we got to control these actions and not others and so we all know where this goes which is your point in history this has gone to very bad places I think that's an excellent point because the one thing that seems to be able to be sacrificed is children's innocence that doesn't seem to be part of the collective good for a long time now so yeah you make an excellent point. All right. Well, before we head into our inconceivable segment, Victoria, you want to give us a quick update on what's going on with legislation? Well, yeah, that, you know, we were talking all about the, the critical race theory stuff, and there is a lot of legislation around that. So I do want to note that. And I thought one of the most interesting things is that one of the bills being carried on critical race theory is actually by one of our new black legislators. And, you know, they try to make it such a race issue. You know, they try to make it sound like it's this big, especially, you know, as it played into the election. But no, Bo Ever there's lots of people concerned about this issue. So I think that's actually very interesting. They haven't been heard yet, right? So we haven't gotten to the process of, of listening to the debate on those bills specifically. So that will still come. Um, the other thing that's real interesting that was happening real recently in the General Assembly is we had the bill dealing with trying to get faith group protections. So this was dealing with the Virginia Values Act that we passed last year. And it affected, if you remember, it was a non-discrimination bill that affected all churches and Christian schools and said that the, basically you had to agree with the state, not your own tenants, on how you hire and fire. Long story short, that bill to fix last year's problem was up, and we actually were so excited to see so many pastors and Christian school leaders come down and testify. So it's great to see that kind of engagement on bills. It was wonderful. I think there are at least 15 there, pastors, uh, leaders of Christian schools, and I think we can safely say that the vote would not have been as close. I think it was eight to seven tabled those religious freedom protections in a Senate committee. But it would have never been that close without them getting up there and speaking up. And it's still it's still going to go through the House, right? Yeah, we have, yeah. We have House versions. So it's not the issue is not over. Um, we're bummed that it didn't pass the Senate. But we're thrilled to see that the word and uh, got out and people were able to share their experiences. And I think it matters. I think legislators need to hear from people affected by their bad laws that they passed last year. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! You know, for a while, Loudoun County has kind of sucked up all the oxygen in the room and taken the national spotlight for the most egregious examples of public school officials flat out disrespecting parents but I think Fairfax County may now be edging in in that competition. They have been in the headlines for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, for one thing, you had these reports that the Fairfax superintendent was telling principals to suspend students who won't wear a mask. And now there's this report coming out of what you're calling, Victoria, Woken Oakton. Yeah. Well, just last week, after the governor's critical race theory executive order that we've been talking about that people claimed, you know, isn't happening, we get this report out of Oakton High School, which is in Fairfax County, as you mentioned, where students were given this 
privilege bingo lesson. I guess the official name was identifying your privilege. And apparently they were expected to do this bingo game or use this game as part of their English curriculum. Yeah, apparently someone in the class took a picture of it. And that's why we know about it. It went viral. But what I think you were telling me what really upset you was this description in these, well, they have these, you know, bingo spaces. And they have things like Christian, um, if your parents are married, um, heterosexual that apparently give you more white privilege points. But the thing that got you going was was the military kid. Is that what it says? Mi- military kid. I cannot believe that they consider being a kid of a military member, somebody who is serving our country. That is privilege. That kid, if you've ever met military, like they call them, you know, army brats, they move around constantly. They don't get to complete their school years half the time. The idea that that's privilege is so out of touch with reality, but it sounds to me like some academic, you know, sitting in an ivory tower decided that that makes you privileged. Plus, their parents are putting themselves in danger. Like, you don't know if your parent's going to come home if they've been deployed. Absolutely. It's, that was, to me, the most stunning. Now, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff on here. That's not the only one. So, I mean, I, you know, you point out, Christian, you mentioned that. That is also... In, in today's world, I don't think you gain any advantage. In fact, I think it's a disadvantage to be a known Christian. Yeah, just to give one example, I was at a Senate committee hearing this week where the senator said there were all these pastors and Christian leaders lined up to testify, to speak up on behalf of their religious freedoms. And before you know they could really get a chance to finish, the senator said, Um, is there anyone else in here here to testify that's not a Christian? You know, as if they were secondary citizens, as if their testimony because they were Christian just wasn't valid. I was stunned by that. Yeah, I, I, I heard that as well. And I just sat there and thought, we really do value certain religions over others in the public square. And Christian is at the bottom of that list. That is absolutely, we've seen that, but it is getting worse and was incredibly blatant. Usually it's not quite so obvious. They don't usually literally say it out loud, but this particular senator did. The other thing that's on this on this bingo game that does kind of irritate me is the whole have your own bedroom. So the reason as a mom of four <laughs> kids that that irritates me is I got two that I guess are privileged. And now my boys have a reason to come and say, mom, you know, what are you doing to me? I'm this victim because I'm just glad they've never seen this. Yeah, it's ironic because really by putting these things on here, military kids, Christian, you're essentially targeting them. You're essentially targeting the kid in the classroom when they look at this. So you are essentially creating victims. I can't even imagine a kid looking at this and thinking they now should be entitled to more because somebody's pointed out all these things that someone else has. Why are we doing that? I mean, it just literally takes a child whose frame of mind might be completely healthy and whole and says, by the way, do you know you're deprived in all these ways? What? What? In what world would we choose to do that to our kids? Divisive. This means the Yunkin divisive test. I find this highly divisive. I, for one, want to know why there's a free space. Yeah, I don't. I think that's to catch all the privilege that they failed to put in here. You know, there's 10,000 other things they'll think of in the next day. That's what you haven't thought of. (laughs) Well, I guess to sum up, we are going to give this week's Inconceivable Award to Fairfax County and its Woken Oakton School for powerfully demonstrating why Governor Yunkin's First executive order is, in fact, necessary. Well, I guess that wraps up this week's show. If you'd like to send us your inconceivable nominations, email us at speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia. 
brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.